Welcome to the Sheep Connect New South Wales podcast. It's time for you. A podcast produced for the sheep industry by Sheep Connect New South Wales. Hi, I'm Fiona MacArthur, a network coordinator for Sheep Connect New South Wales. The Sheep Extension Network in New South Wales, which is funded by Australian Wool Innovation. Sheep Connect New South Wales has a membership of over 2,200 and our main aim is to help keep you and your sheep business up to date on information about all things sheep. Sheep blowfly strike is a major disease and welfare risk for the Australian sheep industry. Each year, fly strike treatment and loss of production costs the Australian sheep industry $173 million. Extensive research has focused on selective breeding of sheep to reduce susceptibility to fly strike as a long-term strategy for reducing the incidence of blowfly strike. In this episode of It's Time For You, I'm joined by AWI's Jeff Linden to look at the latest developments in selective breeding for improved fly control. Jeff Lindon is the AWI Project Manager of Genetics and Animal Welfare Advocacy. He attended Roseworthy Agricultural College for three years and completed a postgraduate diploma in financial management with the University of New England in 1980. For five years, Jeff was the manager of the Trangy Agricultural Research Centre and ran the Fleece Management Laboratory for two years. Jeff held the position of Livestock Operations Manager for the Twynham Agricultural Group for 11 years before joining AWI back in 2007, where he's been the Project Manager in Genetics, Breach Strike and Sheep Health and Welfare. Welcome, Jeff, and thank you for joining me on It's Time For You. I look forward to the podcast. Jeff, why is Breach Strike such an issue for sheep producers? Well, one, it's... it's a distressing, um, has a distressing impact on, on the animal. Um, it has a significant economic impact. Um, and it is, you know, since the fly was introduced into to Australia, um, it has caused considerable angst to, to the industry in how best to control this pest, in how to, to manage it um, in very, fluctuating environments and seasons um, and being able to manage and control, you know, the risk of, of, a, of a fly wave, um, you know, sits in, in wool growers' uh, minds and management concerns. Um, so, yes, it's a, it's a significant welfare issue both for the grower and for the, for the sheep. Jeff, the sheep blowfly has been around for a very long time now, and we've learnt a lot from it thanks to some extensive R&D. What are the main causes of blowfly strike? Um, there's, a, there's a range of, of causes. Um, in, in terms of the breach strike, um, the, the high risk factors are, are dags and urine stain. Um, breach wrinkle probably generates the most strike. Um, but um, breach cover is also a, a factor, um, a, along with wool colour. So, so those those are the specific attributes around breach strike. In terms of um, 
pole strike, um, the horns uh, are effective after uh, animals uh, butted heads and, and fight, and sometimes the protruding skin between the horn set uh, bleeds when they're fighting, and then that's a, a site for uh, for fly strike. Um, but there's, there's body strike um, and uh, flea strike is a major contributor to, to body strike. And we know that sort of fibre diameter, fibre diameter variation um, can also play a role. Um, similarly, you can get pizzle strike in, in rams as well. So there's, a, there's quite an array of the, of the uh, sites for, for fly strike and, and causes. Jeff, protection of blowfly strike to sheep has been a real focus for AWI RDNE extension for many years now. How does breeding and selection fit in the focus today? Um, well, breeding and selection is um, is a long term way whereby we can reduce fly strike, um, reduce the reliance on chemical. Um, and release the reliance on crutching to, to control flies. Um, we've known for some time that, that wrinkle cover and, and dags uh, and, and urine stain have been the, the major causes of, of breed strike. Um, but it really wasn't until Merino Select came along and uh, in 2009, uh, the breeding values for breach wrinkle or breach cover and for DAGs was, was commercialised. And so breeders would then uh, score their animals on farm, uh, get a breeding value for these traits, and then actively put it in to their breeding program where they would be um, seeking to, uh, to breed for good structure, confirmation for the productive traits in terms of fleece weight and fibre diameter, uh, and then now also add in uh, well-fed traits um, with the breech traits and also worm egg count um, and add that in, into their breeding breeding program. So traditionally um, growers have used breeding as one means to control breech strike um, but, but prior to mules in, you know shearing and crutching um, was the primary way in which uh, uh, growers were able to control the strike and then in latter years um, with the advent of uh, chemicals uh, and uh, very much so with their improved chemicals, um, uh, the fire prevention chemicals, and then played a greater role in terms of fly strike control. Um, unfortunately, like most chemicals uh, with continued use, um, pests do tend to uh, become resistant to those chemicals. Um, and so it's a constant battle with, with drench products and also with fly products. Uh, to keep ahead of that resistance. So, so they're Jeff, the major ways that, that growers have tried to control strike. And Jeff, sheep producers certainly therefore have a challenge on their hands. And we know that mulesing and chemicals and crutching all help to reduce the incidence of strike. Can breeding and selection really help reduce the reliance we have on these practices? Yes, yeah, so we've shown in, in trials uh, the extent to which low breech wrinkle, low cover and low dag can reduce the risk of, of strike. Um, and uh, increasingly, 
breeders are using this information uh, al along with the um, productive traits, uh, the, the traits that generate income such as you know, fleece weight, fibre body weight, fertility, um, and they're combining that together. So increasingly breeders are, are moving in this direction. It, it is easier um, because of the uh, genetics that have come long-term from, from the higher fibre diameter animals. There's, there's less wrinkle amongst those. There's, there's increased, uh, there's less wool cover in, in the breach. Uh, and so there's a tendency with the higher fibre diameter South Australian, Western Australian type sheep, um, it's easier for them to, to breed along this path. It, it is much more difficult for fines and super fines in, in high dag areas. It's going to take longer to to the breeding and selection um, approach um, to to get to a point where we can get a reduced reliance on mulesing and on chemicals and on crutching. And Jeff, for breeding and selection to work, we're going to need a difference within our flock. How much variation in breech strike is there actually between individual sheep in the Australian sheep flock? Uh, we know from our trials that, that there's considerable variation between sires. Um, in some of our trials, even you know when there was, and these are in trials where animals are you know, do get a normal crutch, but then no other preventative treatment um, has, has been applied. We do have some very high risk size where even, you know, all of their progeny or all of the incidents of strike, um, maybe, you know, 1.2 strikes in, in the fly season um, per, per progeny. But then likewise, we've, we've got sire progeny um, that very rarely get struck. And so we've been able to observe a large variability um, between the progeny of size in, in the risk of fire strike. And when we play around with genetics, there's more often than not going to be some sort of a trade-off. If we're selecting for favourable traits for strike prevention, do we have to sacrifice on our production traits? Um, yes, unfortunately, there is a correlation between low wrinkle and lower fleece weight. So that's an association of about 0.4, so it's, it's moderate. Thankfully, it's only moderate. Um, and so there are animals that break that trend. Um, and so we can find animals that are lower on wrinkle and higher on fleece weight. And the important thing there is, is first isolating them, finding them, and then multiplying them. And then after a while, when we multiply them, we can then change the associations between fleece weight and wrinkle and, and tease that apart. And so the correlation becomes less and we find more and more animals that are good for both of the traits um, that we like. It becomes more difficult the more um, sort of antagonistic relationships we have. So we know there's an antagonistic relationship between fleece weight and fibre diameter. So as fleece weight goes up, it tends to go up. Um, but ram breeders uh, have really tended to, to pull that correlation apart over the last couple of decades. We also have a correlation between um, low worm count and DAGs. Um, and so in terms of selecting for low 
uh, worm egg count um, and so resistance to worms, there is an association there that DAGs go up. So that's really important to again measure both. So we, we, when we take the worm egg count down, we can also take our DAGs down with us. So a breeding program that has a reasonable number of these antagonistic traits, um, that's where it's difficult uh, and that's where the breeding value um, technology is, is able uh, ram breeders to, to manage uh, an ever-increasing number of, of antagonistic traits so we can improve welfare and, and improve productivity and resilience. So it's good to know that we have these animals in our Australian flock that are resistant to fly strike yet can manage their productivity really well. But as a producer, an everyday producer, how do we go out and find them? Um, so it's uh, yeah, contacting your ram breeder, contacting sheep classer, contacting consultants, um, getting advice from them around these animals, where they exist. Um, they exist within the Merino Select system and with the data, they're easier to find, but these animals also you know, exist outside the Merino Select system. Um, there's a web search function uh, on the Merino Select website where growers can go in and they can put in search criteria so they can say, oh, I'm wanting to look for size with a minimum sort of fleece weight, with a maximum sort of a wrinkle score. Um, uh, so they can put in, in, a, in a range of selection criteria and uh, push go and the search function will then provide them with a list of size or a list of flock rams, list of semen rams, um, uh, depending on, on whatever you put into the search criteria that met that that meets the criteria of the individual grower. So, so there's an array of uh, of people around that that can advise uh, on this, and and particularly, you know, your ram source and your ram breeder. Jeff, many of these traits are assessed visually. So within individual flocks, how important is visual selection and is there a guide to help us assist producers in this process? Yes, there is. So um, up on the AWI website, um, growers can find a visual score guide um, and there's a whole array of um, confirmation traits, structural traits, wall traits um, there that growers can, can use. Um, you know, the core function of a, of a sheep in terms of its its structure and its conformation, um, that can never be let go. Um, and it's about finding then the balance then by building on the key economic traits of, um, you know, reproduction and of uh, fleece value. Um, and then also then building in increasing traits around welfare to reduce future risk and it's also then in about bringing in resilience so you know as we continually select for these higher and higher performance size we also need to make sure that we're we're breeding in a resilience um, such that we can uh, then ensure that we can get long-term improvements in productivity. If a producer is just selecting for these visual traits only within a flock, will selection have a negative impact on other traits? Um, so in terms of visual selection, 
sheep class will go in and they will assess uh, the animal and absorb all of the sight and feel and touch uh, uh, attributes that, that they employ in terms of, of classing an animal. And so the sheep classer will be, in visual classing, will be constantly working away at getting a balance of all these traits and then making a selection decision on those. Um, so a sheep classer is, is well aware of these antagonistic traits um, and about if you go single trait selection too hard in one direction, then often uh, important other traits, um, uh, uh, you know, you can get some negative impacts here if you're just selecting too much on one or two traits. It's it's always it's always about getting the right balance. And how important is breeding with Australian sheep breeding values important in balancing this out? What a what Australian sheep breeding values or SBVs do is is they they when you're selecting for an ever increasing number of traits, um, in essence, um, it's harder and harder to get a balance then of all these traits, and it's harder to find animals that are elite for an ever increasing number of traits. So sometimes some things have to give. Um, in, in the pursuit of a specific trait at one period of time. Um, just, just recently, a lot of ram breeders have really pushed towards going pole and they've really concentrated on, on the, the need to breed polled animals and, and they've had to let other traits go. But over the longer period, it's about getting the, the balance right um, and with an ever-increasing number of objective traits and visual traits, it's then getting the balance right. But the breeding values do help, and the indexes do help growers manage um, with well, an ever-increasing number of antagonistic relationships. Certainly a fine line to maintain that balance. What do you think are achievable ASBV targets for key production and welfare traits within an enterprise? Uh, that is um, very heavily reliant on, on the sheep type that is suited to your to the grower's environment uh, and and to the grower's environment. Um, in some areas where there's there's high dags and that tends to be in the southern southern portion of the southern states, um, then then dags is important. Uh, if you go into a low dag area. Um, DAGs isn't, isn't much important at all, nor there is worms, because a lot of there's areas where there's minimum drenching that goes on. So um, it's very much a matter of understanding the, the uh, production system that's best suited to that environment, um, getting a sheep type that is best suited for that environment and for the husbandry practices of that business. Um, so it's very much an individual ass assessment by every wool grower about understanding uh, their enterprise mix, their enterprise, their environment, um, how the different traits are expressed, whether you're in high wrinkle, high fleece weight area or a low fleece weight area. Um, uh, and then exactly for your micron, what's the relative value of fleece weight um, versus lamb production? In some areas, some growers um, uh, put more emphasis on uh, reproduction than they, they do in others. 
um, and, and that can be very much a factor of sheep type and, and environment. So unfortunately, there's no, um, there's a, well, there's some, some, you know, high level rules of, um, unfortunately, to set up those production targets and to set up, you know, breeding value targets is, is very much an individual grower's assessment of where they're wanting to go, what they think the future markets are going to, to do, where the value um, will be, and then sort of uh, limitations around their environment and their, and their production system. So it, it's, it's very much an individualistic um, approach to setting what those stretch targets would be for each grower. And Jeff, just to finish off, if you had to choose, what would your three top tips be for producers? Um, in, in terms of, um, you know, reduced reliance on on chemicals and on crutching and on on mulesing, and whether it's one or all three, um, because we're dealing with fly strike and because of the consequences of it, it's it's just don't stop whatever you're doing. It is to really sit back to plan, 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 um, set up then what your targets are and then head down that road. And then once you believe that you've got your animals to a, at a suitable spot um, or a suitable place or your decision-making, you're confident enough in your decision-making, uh, then start the action. So, so overwhelmingly it's plan, plan, plan. Um, it's keep perspective of your assessments of future markets um, and it's to keep a clear focus on what your objectives, breeding objectives are and um, make sure that your RAM source is, is well aligned um, with the objectives you have uh, for your enterprise. Excellent, thanks Jeff. With the weather warming up, this information you've shared has certainly been very timely. Thanks so much for joining me on It's Time For You. Thank you, listeners. Thank you, Fiona. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of It's Time For You, the Sheep Connect New South Wales podcast. We'd appreciate it if you could share our podcast within your networks. And if you haven't done so already, subscribe to the AWI podcast, The Yarn. We'd love you to stay in contact with Sheep Connect New South Wales, and you can do this in a number of ways. Join our network by visiting www.sheepconnectnewsouthwales.com.au. Find us at Sheep Connect New South Wales on Facebook and Twitter. We look forward to seeing you at our workshops and events later in the year. Thanks again for joining us today. Bye for now.